ever think there might be another way to just feel better, just feel better about today? Oh no, if you never want to have to turn and go away, you might feel better, might feel better if you stay. Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And Bill, here we are at it again. Yes, and the new improved bunker. You've added a skylight. Well, it's actually not really a skylight. It's a hole in your padding that we can see the overhead light. Yes, I have uh, I have cut a hole in my false drop ceiling that I've made out of staples, poster board, and foam. Now it's more luminous. It's more illum- uh, It's more illuminated. Yeah, no, I, it's a luminary I, move, and I think it's appropriate for our topic today. Yes, today we shall talk a little bit about wisdom. Right. I, uh, you know, I interviewed Rob Bellastre, which was a real delight. Uh, I'll probably try to put it out in the next day or so. But what a just I, I, a genuine human being. I mean, he he was exactly how I imagined him to be. <laughs> like you know, you always wonder. Some sometimes people come across as genuine, and it's an act. And he's he just is a genuine, earnest, sincere guy who is right. really charming. And or fun maybe to talk some, with. yeah, or maybe some people are less comfortable with their authenticity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was nice. He was very. But, you know, in preparation for it, I he has a new book out. It's coming out actually next month. It's called – it's about the Bible. What is the Bible? It's called – it's a really interesting book. And But I, I did some listening of his podcast and stuff just because I hadn't really listened to it before. And and I think his most recent podcast, he did something really interesting about wisdom. And he said, you know, there are three kinds – approaches to wisdom. You know, he said if you're making three columns on the left hand, put pre-conventional wisdom. And then in the middle, put conventional, and then on the right, put post-conventional. He said pre-conventional wisdom is just the way our sense of doing things before we get conventions, before we're schooled in traditions, and we we often it's often a kind of uninformed, pre-rational, irrational approach to life. So, you know, kids want to eat ice cream for dinner every night and go to bed whenever they want, and and you know, there's this sort of non-reflective approach to life, and then you conventions are developed. Because they generally reflect things that more often than not make life more livable and com- promote human flourishing. Discipline's a good thing. Hard work you know, right. gets results. Uh, penny saved is penny earned. Things kind of things, and uh, and that's those are things that we all need to be schooled in, so that we can flourish in society together, and and so that our lives can can be shaped into something meaningful. But then he said there's something else called post-conventional wisdom. And post-conventional wisdom is is where you change where where you you've you've known the rules, you know the approach of how to live life according to the best wisdom and reflections of your community or tradition, and yet you're seeing where it breaks down. And you're seeing that it actually is – there's a problem here with the way we're doing things. But he made a point that almost no, post-conventional wisdom almost always comes from people that have mastered the convention. You know, Picasso doesn't start doing right. abstract stuff. He's a master at realism before he moves beyond it. And, and right. So the tradition is usually innovated not by people that pre-conventionally reject it, but by people that actually live inside it uh, for so long and, and, and are sympathetic to it and get it and yet see where – it's breaking down in some ways. And he's, he says this very interesting, he tells this experience of being at a, 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 po, a second Gulf War in Iraq demonstration, a protest rally against the war. And he said, you know, 
sometimes pre-conventional and post-conventional wisdom can look similar or right. can show up in similar places because they're they're both not reflecting the convention. But he said, you know, there were people there that were just angry f George Bush, and, and, and right. there was just a sort of non-rational just rage. So, but there were other people there that really had come to this place because they felt unsettled about the military industrial complex, that, that war being the new normal, that, you know, certain right. interests and benefiting. He said, you know, so you have, you can have the pre-conventional and the post-conventional show up in the same place for very different reasons. Yeah. Now, now, I, you know, you know, when we talked about this beforehand, I, I, what is his definition of wisdom? Because his first two categories of wisdom, I wouldn't call wisdom at all. I mean, it's, I, you know, I said, it sounds like he's superimposed a bit of a using wisdom language on a kind of variation on id, ego, and superego. I mean, or, you know, Kohlberg does a similar thing in morality. So what, when I think of wisdom, I think of something in the classic sense of what it means to live well, to have experienced life, to have a, to have a deeper perspective on things. Um, I mean, certainly wisdom from the wisdom literature would be, and I think it even the Hebrew root is a play on the same word that's used for art, artisan. So, I mean, wisdom is kind of skill at living. Right, right. And that's why I would say, well, I would say that, that, that those things are wisdom in the sense of, but like, you know, some people say, I'm not, he's not wise to that. You, you could be very, <laughs> your wisdom quotient might be very low and very So he's using wisdom as knowing. No, I think, no, I think he's using, I think he would say, say there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom because you can have a bunch of facts and wisdom is more how you how we, the art of applying those, the art of like what you know, working itself out in the world. And he's saying, and I think like what the conventional stuff where it is wisdom is that it's it's our collective approach to the way to flourish in the world. That it's what we used to call virtue and ethics. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I mean that that those things. Yeah, you could use virtue ethics. You could use. You know, so well, there's that Kohlberg's, you know, it's that Kohlberg, that developmental thing where you go from being the impulse-driven child to the good boy, good girl. In other words, right, you have right. to take on the conventions. I still don't get – now, you have to help me with this. How is pre-conventional wisdom wisdom? Well, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a sort of uh, – you know, if, if you talk about uh, – let's think of uh, – you know, I generally don't like substantials. See, because I spend a, I've spent a lot of time in my life around uh, – Pre-conventional children, and also adults who don't seem to quite get out of yeah, that well, stage. Well, I mean, okay, I, I I tend to not like substantialist metaphysics and ontology, but for the sake of this point, I'll just and delve give, there. And for get, a by the way, and give people a chance to look all those words up. <laughs> exactly. Like, what you're yeah. going next. All right, go ahead. Yeah, so basically, pause. Pause. You know, go. basically, if, if for you know for Augustine, right, something like. Um, evil is privation, right? It's yes. not. It's not a good in its own. It's the deficiency. So, you if you had a shirt, right, and it it, it an evil shirt would be a shirt with a bunch of holes in it. <laughs> you know, like, right, right. Or the, the fabric. Way, I threw away an evil shirt this morning, which I liked, but uh, I threw it, away. it happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah. You. So I would say that you know that kind of pre-conventional wisdom is is the deficit of wisdom you know it's not completely nothing yet you know for for so you know at some point the shirt would get so tattered that there's no shirt there you know this complete absence of being so i'd say he didn't say this this is my own just kind of exegeting his little chart kind of thing that i i'd say i'd say it's wisdom by deficiency or because because it's an attempt at wisdom it's an attempt at it's really interesting because you you think of like 
magic and uh, witchcraft stuff. There's something like a scientific approach to it. Like, okay, if well, we if we do, for, if we from, do this, it will rain. Yeah, you know, for alchemy it, you know, is the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So I think that it's it's something like that. It's 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 a it's a sort of wisdom pre wisdom. You know, it's sort of, okay. All right. So that that helps. So it's not. I like I, pre wisdom. I like. I like that framework. And I know he just made categories and to give a talk, but this is why he sells millions of books and, and millions of because. Because he's he's good at these kind of things. We're like, well, is, is this what's you know, substantial? He's, he's good at compartmentalizing it, things that aren't quite. Totally it, it, he's, he's, right. like, he's good with it. He's good with categories. He's good categories. with categories. People like categories. Yeah, I like categories. I'm kind of. I don't. That's actually. why I like Jeopardy. That was like, so irritating. They just I do thought, like Jeopardy too. They just, I tried out for Jeopardy once. Uh, I, I, I don't. I would. I don't think I would do all the trial. Maybe I, I don't know. I missed. A, I, I missed. I didn't get through the trial because I missed a question on 16th century. No, 15th century. Italian poetry. Yeah, what drives me crazy? <laughs> several bars and restaurants around here do it. They play Jeopardy. They put Jeopardy up without the volume, and so like I'm like I want to know that you know I want because I can't always read the closed caption. Just like it's so why, why put this on without the volume? So, well, there's a lot of stuff that happens like that in bars. Jeopardy, I want to hear it. Like one of my, fav- I guess closed caption. One of my favorite bars in in uh, it used to be the hipster bar, the Royal Tavern. And uh, near the Italian market in Philadelphia, they actually find the campiest movies that they can find and play them. And it really it looks like a hole in the wall. Food's great, great, but but they'll have these bizarre. But they never there's never the sound. So I don't know if that's a statement or the TV doesn't work. But I have the same kind of irritation. It's I mean, something. I'm drawn to this strange movie because I know that the only place in the world I'll ever be able to see it is on this. It's on that wall. Yeah. Thank God for YouTube. Yeah. Anyway, so we got mixed up. I don't like categories. You like categories. I am picking at Rob Bell's uh, categories, not just to irritate you, but <laughs> that doesn't irritate me. No, but the point being that this I pre I like that idea of pre wisdom. And he he points out that you know it's interesting. He was talking about parenting. He says sometimes you're teaching your kids the convention and post convention at the same time. Like, hey, you know, this is how which, we do things is, in society, and yet also. Don't do what everybody's doing all the time, you know. So you you kind of there's these there these that's, dances. Yeah, that's why it's confusing being a kid. Yeah, and I think I, I really do a, a, just a good basic understanding of childhood development. I don't know how many times I've had conversations with parents over the years whose expectations are so out of out of sync with where the kid is. I, I was talking to someone today, and the person was talking about their 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 adolescent son. I go, he's being a teenage boy. He, and again, by the way, I, I have I have um, in the field research experience of the species adolescent boy, and uh, live to tell the tale. But no, I think you're right. A little bit of knowledge of of moral development theory, a little knowledge of uh, what just cognitively people can understand. And I think that's right. You know, the, the, you know, no wonder we're all a little confused because. Uh, you know, I can still remember some conversation with my dad, but dad, you told me to think, think about this. So I didn't mean you to think that way. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, he's, Rob Bell is a guy who, because he came out of the evangelical of the church and wrote, has written some books, which in that community have, been, have, have caused controversy, have been, have been the occasions for controversy. He, you, it's, it would be easy to miss the fact that he is, kind of a traditionalist and and so he's kind of he's a guy that that a lot of times has been a voice for post-conventional approaches and yet he's he's a guy that really 
deeply treasures conventional wisdom. Well, I, I think to me, and again, both of us, uh, did you have Ellen Cherry for any classes? Uh, I think I TA'd for her. Yeah. I read I read her book that you're holding in your hand. Yeah, like, I read it like twice in seminary. Yeah, and one of her is it really, a, I never, she was there after I was there, but Ellen Cherry, um, a his, church historian, but kind of really looked at what... Convert to faith from Judaism. Right. An adult convert. Yeah, and, and her book, her classic book, By the Renewing of Your Minds, is talking about the pastoral function of Christian doctrine. And she really uses this category of... Um, sapiential or wisdom orientation is really what pastoral theology, in, in many ways, it's really what a lot of biblical approach to life is. Well, yeah, and she actually argues in that book that that's how theology was done the whole time in the pre-modern period, that what basically what we have today is just abnormal, where we have a bunch of academic theologians who are a couple steps removed from congregational life. She actually argues right up through from like Athanasius to Basel to Augustine, you know, all through up, I think even to Calvin. And shows how, like, for instance, Basel's treatise on the Holy Spirit was his congregation were not models of spiritual, spiritual life. And he thought some of it was that they misunderstood and kind of demeaned the person of the Spirit. So they weren't living Spirit-empowered lives. So he writes this treatise right. on the Spirit because he's trying to connect the Spirit to the life of his parishioners. And so she, she points example after example how theology was not an academic Discipline, like yeah, we think yeah, of it no, today. The, the, the patristic, the early church uh, theologians, many who are, have been our greatest theologians, were all pastors, uh, serving as pastors. Now, again, some, you know, later on, some, you know, you could argue some are monastic. I mean, Gregory Nazianzus was a pastor, but didn't like being a pastor. You know? <laughs> but at any rate, complained about it. Uh, so that's not new either. But no, I think that's really true. So there's a sense where, um, I do think, to me, this is where wisdom comes in, in terms of a lot of the things we fight about in Christianity are arguing over what are the, what is conventional wisdom, okay? Mm. What's going to be the norm? What is the ethical norm, okay? Whether it be issues around sexuality. I mean, you pick a period of time. You know, there's different hot issues at different time. Whereas any of us who have ever been worth our salt in pastoring you know, a good pastor has always tried to operate out of the, out of the realm of wisdom. And, and a wise response to one situation is not necessarily the wise response. It's the same response to the next situation. I mean, that's always why. I mean, there was that book about um, the move from the, from mon, uh, from the uh, humanist kind of way of looking at things to the modernist way of looking at things, Cosmopolis. There's a couple books named that, but that was that was one of them. Uh, a, a guy from California, I forget his name right now, wrote it uh, from University of California. And this idea that, you know, part of the Enlightenment move, which has had a profound impact on all of Christianity, but particularly Protestant Christianity, and particularly both fundamentalists and liberals, is this idea you went from kind of local to universal. Uh, you went from the particular to the um, the, the universal, from the timely to the timeless. Those are some of the categories he uses. And I think it has profound impact on um, on how we end up arguing about different things on a public. And, and again, I, I mean, there have been times where my public and my private positions on things were different or were, were very, very differently nuanced and partially because and, and strongly because of having to deal with real people in real time. And bringing Christ 
and faith and hope and love to a given situation. Yeah, I I think it's yeah because sometimes you know you look at some of the things Jesus says in the Gospels, which are pretty radical approaches, and so especially if you compared like the teachings of Jesus and 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 the injunctions of Jesus and exhortations. Over against the book of Proverbs. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you could have some by, different By the way, if I'd like. been on the committee, Proverbs would not have made the cut. <laughs> what, what book would you would not have made the cut if you were on the canon committee? I don't know. I don't, I think, I, I, I never really, I, I don't, I don't think I'd take any of them. I don't think, but. Anyways. All right. Well, see, so you're not fine. I, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I, see, I, like I just you. wouldn't read it. If I, <laughs> no. Well, wait a minute. You wouldn't read it. You don't read it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just, you know, no, uh, yeah. What was the last sermon you preached on Proverbs? Uh, even, you know, maybe you preached last year, right. a year and a half ago. See, you would. I, I, as soon as I came out of my mouth, I knew that you. I, would. I think I did. I mean, I think, I think, I, I, I think. Um, I'm trying to think when it was, but yeah, it's interesting too because you know, again, part of living in the world, right? Proverbs reflects the created order, right? And Jesus, yeah. the ministry of Jesus, is the inbreaking of the new creation in the created order, and so which. You know, you could look at the miracles of Jesus, not as subverting the creator, but fulfilling it. You know, yeah, no, very much bring, so. bringing yeah. the future into the present. So, yeah, I think that that's where there's that tension between the conventional understanding and wisdom things, and then and then a kind of post-conventional one that that actually is is maybe the future breaking into the present in in a in a way that will often be that will often be disruptive. And you know, at the end of this podcast, he he gives some very pastoral encouragement around people that are challenging the norms of the tribe mm-hmm. and how lonely that can be. And he was very, you know, <laughs> speaking with me yesterday, he said, if there's a Q&A thing, people want sometimes, and a crowd will say, well, I have this problem, and how do I fix this? And usually, usually the first thing I say is, you know, you seem to have a lot of anxiety about that. He said, because the first thing, you know, he, he said that, Rob Bell's first uh, approach to life is you can't control anything. Right, <laughs> and right. And so often when we, when we are chronically anxious and and trying to make sense of things, there's this impulse to control things, and and we just have so little control over anything. And that's part of maybe baseline wisdom there, like learning that right. that there's just very little we can control. Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, I think both the Bible and the tradition gives us an opportunity to live in wisdom. Uh, Augustine, love God and do whatever you want. Uh, here's my new commandment I give to you, love as I have loved. And to me, the implication is this is the only one that matters. You know, in other words, if you do this one, everything else shall follow. But, you know, like in the Brother Kamazov, we, we, you know, God, you know, God keeps offering human race freedom. He keeps offering the church freedom, and we keep trading our freedom for formula. Um I remember Diogenes down the uh, blessed memory uh, saying that you can't be young and wise. Because to be wise, you have to have lived long enough and made horrendous mistakes and lived with the consequences. And I think part of that is that, yes, wisdom is, you know, I mean, even uh, uh, Kohola, or we call it Ecclesiastes in the Hebrew Scripture. I mean, there's a certain kind of sense where, uh, and I know there's all kinds of debate about what, how to interpret that, but part of it is, it's a story of his failure. You know, he's kind of thinking, I've, you know, I've tried all, and I'm worn out, you know. But there's a that's there's wisdom in knowing what you don't know. I mean, you can be interpreted as a cynical kind of work uh, that gets saved by an introduction and a postscript, you know. But 
in some levels, it's it's a meditation on, um, you know, all is vanity on from one perspective. You know, uh, that's maybe just a different way of saying I can't control anything. Uh, and and um, if so much of what we enjoy and so much of what we pursue and most almost everything we cherish will pass away or can be taken away from us then that can either lead to despair it can it can or it can lead to saying maybe there's something more and i think that's that's part of where diogenes allen reminds us that wisdom is saying all right yes it's good to have order in society yes it's good to have goals yes it's good to control and uh and say no to oneself but there's a there's a deeper magic going on to to rob from cs lewis there's a deeper magic going on and i think again this is why you should not speak to Christians if you're not part of a Christian community because wisdom only comes in the hard living out and working with and being with other people because it's easy to get away from the art of having to live in gray spaces. If you, whether it's an ideological world or whether it's a kind of nice place you create for yourself, um, Christian wisdom has to be lived in community. It's really interesting because I, as I was thinking this morning about Walter Brueggemann's book on the Psalms, the theology of the Psalms, and in it he says, you know, basically he sees the Psalms in three groupings. The the first is Psalms of orientation. This is like Psalm 1. Oh, the law, it's great. I meditate on it. And, you know, (laughs) if you just, if you meditate on it, things are going to be great. Like a tree planted by the water. water. Right, exactly. There's, there's There's an old gospel. Like a tree planted by the water. I shall not be moved. That is the orientation song. Yeah, and then he, he talks about <laughs> psalms of disorientation where Israel doesn't sense God's presence and is angry and frustrated and doesn't have much hope and, 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 and it really is raw. And then he talks about the last collection of psalms, a psalms of reorientation, mm-hmm. yeah. where there's, there's – and the mature sort of seasoned uh, appreciative – Grateful faith is is the, is really the reoriented faith, the, the one that's gone through exile. He that's kind of the, right. the, that has and not quit, and then found the deepest wisdom that that isn't probably in the orientation ones. Although you have to sort of start there. But the wisdom of the Psalter is not that it's a you know intro introductory psalms. This is middle psalm. Yeah, you know, it's not pre conventional, conventional, post conventional psalm. The whole mess is in the book, right? Yeah, and and we're always in those. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's not you were always in in all of those places in a lot of time. Like we 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 can indwell all of those psalms at the same moment in our lives. Yeah, I remember I uh, had a uh, a Benedictine monk that um, got his PhD, PhD work at the Pontific Institute, and he told the story. Uh, Father Gabriel Kales, if you're still out there, God bless you. But um, he told the story that uh, in his monastery that it was very disruptive when Vatican II happened and they started singing the Psalms of Vernacular because one <laughs> poor monk was heartbroken because his favorite psalm was when he found out he was actually singing, May Their Children Be Dashed Upon the Rocks. <laughs> it ruined it for him, <laughs> which means, one, he didn't know his Latin. <laughs> and two, the good thing is he didn't want to sing about children being dashed on the rocks. So, this, is, this is good. So there was wisdom wise. in that. That's why. Wisdom in that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, very good. Wow. So I, I, I remember, gosh, when you were talking about the subject, again, I think I mentioned earlier, but I had an Old Testament um, class 
in undergrad. I went to a Christian college for a semester, and I, they didn't ask me to leave, but it was I was ready. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but I had a great couple of great professors. Uh, one, unfortunately, was driven out and was kind of Baptist liberal. It wasn't a Baptist college, but he was a victim of all those uh, fundamentalist witch, Southern Baptist witch hunts. Um, but I do remember uh, this I mentioned earlier that this definition of my Old Testament professor, definition of wisdom being the art of living life well under God. And I think that is an art. Uh, you know, like we talk about, we, we sometimes ask, you know, the vict- I'm always suspicious of victorious Christian life or, you know, the any kind of thing that gives you the answers to what's going to be because like medicine, like a lot of things, it's a practice. But the Christian life is a journey, a practice. And uh, the good news is even our mistakes, our failures are things by grace and by a little self-reflection and hopefully some love and some care from a Christian community can turn into wisdom. I was 
Jimmy. 